You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, this is Sarah. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. You know, this is a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so we can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purposeful lives. And we appreciate you walking alongside us on this journey of living without labels or limits. And I personally believe without a doubt, we are each capable of more than we ever imagined. So I hope you enjoy this interview with today's guest, Dolores Hirschman, because you're going to learn from Dolores some things that are amazing, things that she's accomplished that I bet she never expected she would. And she's definitely somebody who just keeps pushing through um, probably thousands of people's limiting beliefs um, and limitations. And she's done that in her own life. So let me tell you a little bit about her first. She is an internationally recognized strategist and coach, and she's been a remote employee and virtual business owner for over 20 years. So way before the pandemic, Dolores has been out doing virtual coaching and running a business. Today, she helps her clients clarify their idea worth sharing. So think about this. It's an idea worth sharing, not just an idea, and she helps them design their communication strategies, and implement business growth systems. So after working with Dolores, her clients go on to become speakers and authors. They take their message to a larger audience like TEDx and beyond that. And she works in a number of um, ways. She works through coaching. She has workshops, one-on-one coaching, as well as public speaking. And in her own right, Dolores is a writer TEDx organizer and coaches training institute certified and ICF accredited coach. So those are, you know, in the acronym world, if you don't know those, those are really recognized quality stamps of approval for the work and training that Dolores has. And she, on top of all that, she has a business degree from Universidad de San Andres, Argentina, and she is originally from Buenos Aires. She speaks Obviously, you would think Spanish, English, and French. So she's multi-talented. And today, you can find Dolores living in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, with her husband and her four kids. So with all of that, help me welcome Dolores to the podcast. Hi, Dolores. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've been excited. When I learned a little bit about you and read your background, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a varied background, and you have traveled literally and figuratively miles to be where you are today. So before we dive into the interview, I'm wondering if you might share with us whether or not there's something that you do every day, whether it's a ritual or a habit, that keeps you focused on your big vision and goals. Yeah, and here's something that is so tiny that will take you absolutely no time And it's something that I developed when I was really young, tough childhood. Many of us had one of those. Um, And I I remember specifically being nine years old. And I think 
that's when I, this began, I would simply open my eyes and I would think, what do I have today that I'm looking forward to? And at that age, it could be something as simple as it was gym day at school and I loved gym day. Or it was, I don't know, I had um, tap dancing lesson after school, like tiny things. And that actually has stayed. And I and you were asking me, you know, as I was thinking of that answer, because there's other things I've done. I've done journaling and yoga and walking and do I do them every day? Some yes, some no, and they do help. So I do have a further morning routine, but this is a tiny, tiny, tiny one that doesn't take any physical time. Like there's, there's no time. It's just, what do you have to look forward to today? And sometimes there's times in our lives that life becomes a little bit overwhelming and we just need that exercise. So tell us a little bit then, because what you said that you had a tough childhood, how did you come to do the work you are doing today? What is a bit about your background and your kids and your experiences that have led you to Dartmouth Mass and the work that you've been having? I'll try to be very, very um, uh, concise. Uh, what brought me to the U.S. is a simple and old story of meeting an American in Argentina um, and seven months later being married, literally, um, and deciding quickly that he was the one I wanted to build a family with and moving to the U.S. Two years later, we had our first child and then we had three more. So we have four children. So, so coming here was probably anchored in something is that I, I have that it's been present all my life, which is a sense of, or, or, or a, a hunger for adventure, um, a deep connection to my intuition um, and curiosity. So there's a lot of reasons why you should not marry a foreigner that you meet <laughs> one night, uh, many, many reasons. But then there's a lot of reasons why you should if everything intellectually saying no, but everything intuitively saying yes. That was what I was going to ask you, because I'm thinking, you know, that it's one thing to meet someone and like decide, oh, I'm going to be with this person. They're the right person. And then, though, think of all the thousands of miles you moved culture you changed to be with him. Yeah. And all of my parents freaking out and my friends <laughs> saying, you're crazy. I was 25 years old. And so that's what brought me to the U.S. Um, and I think, you know, was that part of my childhood or not? I think I made a decision very early in my teenage years that I was going to be happy as an adult. Uh, I didn't know what that meant, but I committed that once I could have some control of my personal life, I will make decisions that will make me happy. And, and I think that unconscious, if you want, that actually has always stayed with me. And I have to say, I'm 48 years old. There's no decision as an adult that I've made that was catastrophic. Um, I mean, there's little decisions I could have done better, of course, but every one of the big decisions in my life has led me to a, to a today that I'm grateful for, 
proud of and incredibly uh, blessed in. That's perfect. Um, and making a conscious decision to be happy is an, I'm assuming, because I know in my own life, when I make a decision to do something, especially to be happy um, and be uh, living consciously, it's a decision I remake. It's so that when you start, you have to be conscious about that and say, no, I'm choosing to, you know, so when faced with choices, it becomes kind of your filter and bedrock. Yes. Yeah. And which, and I think people think that's always easy, but it sometimes means it are, it presents tough choices or uncomfortable choices. And I think for me personally, Sarah, to be honest is, and I'm actually, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm, I don't think I've ever said it out loud like this. I'm coming aware of it. Um, and is that it was a decision to not be a victim of anything. That's really what it was. Is that, was I going to be happy or not? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of moments in our life and there's moments that you're not happy, even if you're conscious of trying to be happy, right? But I was conscious that whatever light brought, I was going to be in the driver's seat and that I wasn't going to be a disempowered participant, which is what I felt most of my childhood, which is normal because you're a child. Right. And you're right. Life does deliver us a lot of packages we never ordered. Right. But we do get to choose how we respond to them and, and not, to your point, not be victimized by our circumstances. But let's keep talking. I want to know, because I'm curious that you've done TEDx organizing, and um, I'm curious how that helps you. You know, you talk about, when I researched you, you talk about applying um, all your experiences and helping people get really clear and scale their businesses and be successful. But I'm particularly interested on what you learned from your role as a TEDx organizer that helps you today to understand um, and apply, understand and apply kind of the best ways to help your clients who are um, a broad group of people, you know, consultants and business owners, CEOs, doctors, other experts, how that particular knowledge base has helped you. Yeah, as a TEDx organizer, and I was leading a local event here in my in my city um one of our roles is to curate right to pick the speakers for our stage and one of the things that i didn't you know there's a lot of things you don't know until you get into this project is that i didn't know i mean i knew what tedx was and i knew how great it was to be a speaker i just didn't know it was so competitive to be on that stage i just didn't know and so we would get like 300 applications or more for the 15 slots that we would open. And I recognized pretty quickly that how a person filled out the application may, mattered in how we, the curating team, I say we because there was a team of us, how we would select that person. The longer, more convoluted, more in-depth application, the less chances that speaker had of us picking them. Because we were volunteers, we had way too many applications and we, we didn't have enough time. And so we were going for concise, clear answers to our questions. And the shorter, the more straightforward and clear, the more likely that that person would get an audition. 
And then even in the audition, I would ask them, can you explain the idea behind your work or behind the talk you want to give? So if someone took 15, 20 minutes to explain that, I intuitively knew and I knew that they would never be able, they were not ready for an 18 minute full talk if just the idea would take them 20 minutes. So it's just the math didn't add up. So what, what happened is I recognized how much so I have always been concise in the way I communicate. It's just who I am. I thought this was normal. And I recognized that brilliant authors, experts who really know their work. These are people who are transforming people through their work. They still struggle with communicating in a concise, straightforward way. So my volunteer for the TEDx opened my eyes to A, a problem that people um, experience and B, something that I'm really good at, that I love to do and I really, really truly love to do that could solve that problem. And so I now use what I use to help my speakers communicate on my stage. I, I develop some methodologies and frameworks and, and, and strategies that's what I teach my business owners. Most of my business owners are service entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches. They are in the business. So they are in the business of helping people. And I'm in the business of helping them help more people. I think that's um, pretty interesting because it's difficult. And I own this one because it is difficult for me to narrow down my um concept behind an idea without a lot of paragraphs first in my head. Hopefully they don't all come out of my mouth, but frequently they do because it's like, well, I'm not, I have to keep doing it over and over until I get to the nugget. Um, so when you said you thought all people think like that, I'm thinking, oh no, I just need someone to hang out with me who thinks like that, who can say this, you just this. I can hear it when other people say it and I can pull it from them, but it is, you're right. It's not easy. Even when you do that work and, um, in the world. It's not easy well, to sometimes hear it. I always it. say it's really hard to give yourself a good haircut. <laughs> so so you, you need a mirror to do something that is easy for you. That's so true. Um, so clearly you didn't have those tips for yourself in the very beginning. Um, but did you know that when you started? Because you've started three businesses, right? Yeah. So... So I started a few businesses. I started clothing business and, and, and a language school. Like there's a few pre-businesses uh, before this one. But even this one, when I graduated from coaching school, I started my coaching business. And for two years, I did okay, but I felt I was invisible. I felt that everything I said was vanilla. It physically felt like I had an elephant foot on my chest and someone was constricting my throat. That's how it felt. And it was, there was an anguish around it. I don't know why I was so emotional. It felt like I was being stuffed into a box and, and nobody was doing anything to me. I was just simply lost in how to position myself. Um, so I had a soapbox, I would stand on it and it felt like I was, um, that, that there was no sound to my words that nobody could hear me. 
And so, um, so it wasn't until I went and did the TEDx experience, which I did it as a curiosity and as an adventure, that I recognized that what I was doing was just being another coach. And I wasn't integrating who I am into the experience. And I learned that we all, we coach, especially the more educated you are as a coach, the more vanilla you become when you come out of coaching school. And it's, it's okay. It's part of the process, but there's a, there's a, there's a phase of reintegration that we need to do where we need to give ourselves permission and say, okay, I'm a coach. I have that superpower and I have the capacity to walk with my people through their transformation. But I also am a mom or a carpenter or a landscaper or a scientist or a bilingual or a tap, whatever it is that you have been. Um, and integrating that into who you are, into your personal brand and your position makes you stand out. You're still a coach, but at least you're going to be attracting certain people that will feel that you are the right coach for them. So when you start to work with someone, um, is that where you start with them? Where do you start, I guess, would, is my question. I, so my today I've evolved and my company, Masters in Clarity, specializes in helping business owners who feel uh, invisible, who have been doing the work maybe for a few years, have done some traction, that, but they feel a little bit exhausted. And they come to me for three main reasons. Number one is, it's the feeling of invisibility. The things are moving, but they still feel that there's not enough traction and they're, and they're losing steam. Or they come to me where things are moving and they're still doing most of it alone or one VA and they don't have systems to scale. Or they're coming to me when they're already scaling, but they're running a mess. The, the, the back off in the kitchen is a disaster. <laughs> Hmm. Um, um, so, so these are kind of the three places and what we specialize in is personally, I specialize on the messaging, the positioning and the scalable kind of infrastructure the, the strategy to scale, but I don't do this work alone. I have now built a very big team. And what we do is we take our clients hands and once they have a plan, we actually match them with what we call digital implementation team members. And we do the work with them and for them. We literally take over some projects for some of our clients. We, let's say, clean the kitchen uh, and put things in order and create a system and then teach them how to delegate. I always say that at Masters in Clarity, we are, once the, the, the messaging is ready and the strategy is ready, we are training wheels for our clients to, to kind of have training wheels on how to build and lead a team. So how long do folks typically work with you and your team? Most of my clients, I mean, the contracts are usually a year. Most of my clients start with a year contract, you know, in the main coaching. Um, many of them stay because as they grow, they need more support and they need to to have more systems and more um, strategies as they both are growing and de designing the what the business will look like in the next year. You know, 
a business from zero to $100,000 a year, that's one type of business. 100 to 250 looks a little different. The 250 to 700 looks different and the seven figures look different. And it mostly looks different in, in how and what we offer, how we communicate, and how the, the entrepreneur, the business owner manages and uses their time. How um, much do you think like the business owner, so we'll use the business owner as the central point of this question. How much do you think their lack of clarity plays into kind of their current situation? Uh, well, so no clarity, no plan. No plan, non-cohesive action. So most of us, when we behave or when, you, when we operate without clarity and without a plan, we literally are, to some extent, throwing spaghetti to the wall. Oh, I'll do Facebook ads. Maybe that's going to do something. I'll just do a newsletter. Maybe that's going to do something. I'll hire a VA, but I don't know what to give to the VA. Um, let's, and, and, and it always comes back to the same. Well, nothing's working. So let me rebuild the website. <laughs> well, I think about, that's like those little, um, I call them the technical challenges, right? So um, there are the things that you can apply a Band-Aid to website, you know, um, but they don't advance. They keep things kind of, they're distracting. And if you don't do the underlying things like you're talking about is the clarity and a plan, it doesn't matter how much of the other you do, it still doesn't get you kind of going in the direction you want. Um, which is why I'm so curious about where you, how you work with people and start them and, and do that, both because, as, and you said, as whatever phase of your business life you're in, it changes what it takes at those different stages. So I just think we can get into the place thinking, well, this is what I'm doing and it's working. But when we're stuck and saying, but why am I not getting to this other level? It could be because we're not doing the things we need to do to get to that level. And it sounds to me like that's kind of your sweet spot, you and your team of helping people know where they are, get clear about what they're supposed to be doing at that stage and then do it. Exactly. And so what, in one of the things we, you know, I was saying, I, I decided to be happy and not to be a victim. So four or five years ago, my husband lost his job. I mean, it's a complicated story, but um, family business complicated, but um, I was asked to turn my, what I always called my purpose-driven business, because it's the work that I love to do. I was asked to turn up the volume and pay all the bills. And I only had 30 days to double my monthly revenue. I mean, it was a simple math. If we don't make this much money by the end of this month, we will have to renegotiate the mortgage and, you know, disassemble a lot of the financial commitments. And so I freaked out. I played victim the month before, like literally, yeah, this is happening to me and the whole thing. And then that, that first of the month, I decided, okay, I, I know what being a victim always could look like. If I don't take action, you know, this is what the future will hold. Or I can try to see if we can just rally up, which is what I did. But in that process, what happened was, okay, so if I'm going to even give this a try, where do I start? And that process that I experienced, which was messy and it was not clean and it was like emotional, but that 
led me to create a methodology that I now teach called the idea method, where I break down the business into nine, what I call nine clarity layers. And at every moment in your business, you are probably struggling with one of them. Even if everything's good, one of them is, it's like having many children. There's always one that is acting up, right? I have four. So there's always, when everything's fine, one of them will get sick or the tooth or whatever. They're getting bigger now though. Um, But so the nine clarity layers is a way that I use personally and for my clients to assess the business at any moment in time. So when you come in and work with me, the first thing we're going to do is assess your business and see what, what is the thing we need to, what's on fire. And then what else, and then we will go through all of the layers and then get, make sure that we are clear on the, the message, the proprietor system, the trust funnel. I don't talk about sales funnels. Um, the, 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 the systems, you know, all of the layers of our business. So you come w- into our company, we do the assessment, then we build the strategy together. I actually meet privately with my clients and we work on strategy. And then you meet with my team one-on-one to take action on the strategy. And we, of course, have a community and group coaching and all that, but we do a lot of one-on-one handholding. So you, so you have an assessment on your website. Is that the one you have people start with, or do you have another additional one? It's, it's, that's the assessment that is based. Yeah, it's the same one. And um, we just go in depth into that. Perfect. So we can link to that in the show notes for folks? Of course. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, so you've, you've shared the commonalities and kind of what you identified. I'm very curious about, you know, your nine um, state overlay. And does that go with you with every stage you're in the same kind of matrix? Yeah. So the use? nine layers, I'll, I'll, I'll name them. And in some kind of order, the first five are kind of in order. You, are, you clear one and the next one will come clearer. So number one is messaging and positioning. If you don't know what you do and you can't explain it quickly, no traction. Number two is how you are unique in how you do the work. So your proprietary system. The next one is, okay, so how do you organize your offerings? That's the business model. And it needs to match the way you want to lead your life. Because you can make a lot of money, but have no life. Or you can have a great life and make no money. So there has to be a balance. Then we talk about packages and services. How are you bundling all of these goodies so that they can match your business model? Then and only then we can be ready to market it, right? So we talk about trust funnels. How do you build trust-based relationships with your market so that they become your clients? And then we talk about your mindset, if you are a victim of COVID, there's no strategy I can give you that will make get you out of that. There's just the, the mechanics can be there, but if the if the if the boss, if the if the if the driver is sleeping, forget it. Um, then is the market. Are you really clear on who you serve? Then is the vision, not so much for uh, what you communicate with the market, but what do you want in a year, two years, five years? What do you, how do you want to live a working day? Like, what do you want to be doing? How do you want to feel? And the last, but by no means least, uh, is the systems. 
all of the other eight layers have to be have behind them powerful, delegatable, scalable systems. That's what I call the standard operating procedures. No SOPs, no scalability. I've, I've had to learn that the hard way. It's kind of like, we all did. Yeah. Well, it's because when you're just doing your own stuff, it's fine. But then you think, okay, how am I going to like replicate this or even instruct somebody to do it for me or with me? Um, well, and if it's not repeatable, then you you're spending your time fixing stuff. And anyway, so I've learned that the hard way. And I'm a I am a believer. Um, not the best person at getting it done. I get it done, but I get it done with help. So I just think that's so powerful that that is a part of your, your big model. Um, so what is one, I know you talked about um, that you made a decision to be happy and not be a victim and that you're happy with the choices you've made. But I'm wondering in, in speaking in business, if there's a mistake or a challenge that you faced and now knowing what you've known through all your experiences, that if you went back, if you went back and weren't going to change where you are today, it wouldn't have a negative effect on what you've accomplished or your family. But if you went back, you might approach it differently. Is there something that you did that you would do differently or think differently about? I mean, again, it's a, it's a loaded question because um, whatever train brought me to this train station, I'm happy. So, you know, uh, but there's a couple of moments. So, for example, when I, I, I worked for a nonprofit for a few years um, when I first started working and I mean, I was clear what I wanted. I wanted when I got pregnant and was having my first child, I wanted to be a mom. And I just didn't know enough about my worth and my value as an employee. I could have taken maternity leave and have been supported through it, given the time I needed to be with my child. Um, and I didn't inform myself enough of what were my options, really. Um, so instead, I quit and to be with my child, you know, and I loved, loved, loved my job. Luckily, they appreciated me and they loved me too. So they gave me six months and not, they didn't call me. They didn't talk to me for six months. And at six months point, the CEO calls me and he's like, um, are you ready to, to be part-time mom, part-time employee? Tell us what you want and we'll give it to you. So, but, uh, but I mean, but thinking back, I was so young and naive. If I had known my options and had navigated that a little bit better, I could probably have continued that. Um, and then the other moment is at some point, I just, I had started a few businesses. One of the things that is true for the entrepreneur is that it is a lonely job, especially in the early years when you don't have a big team, it's lonely. And so I got to a point that I really wanted to have a people around me. And so I wanted to, literally, I was dreaming of having a job with a boss. Um, and I took any job with any boss just for that sake. And again, it, it was a good experience in the long run, but it was a brutal experience in the middle because it, it was not a good experience. No, no good leadership or it just wasn't a good 
personal experience, but that experience led me to coaching and do that exploration. So again, you know, you had a good outcome. Yeah. There was a lot of, and many people go through this, especially as you're young. And I think as an immigrant, there was a lot of moments where I didn't trust my intuition. I had issues with self-worth and self-doubt and I don't, I don't, I can't say that I made really horrible decisions, but I made decisions that didn't honor my, uh, myself. So I think that's a huge takeaway. That's a huge takeaway. And one of the values of having a coach and a mentor and a team like yours is to help reinforce for people that they're, you know, when their ideas are good, how to support them, how to create. So you talked about that part later in your levels or your matrix of really what is it you're trying to build and to know up front that I do need a team or I need people to be around me. You can be intentional then about what you're doing so you don't further isolate yourself. So with that, I would like for you, if you would, Dolores, to share with us um, what the best way is for people to connect with you. I know there are people who will be interested in checking you out. Um, What's the best way for that to happen? Yes, you can come to mastersinclarity.com. And there's a little button that says start here on the top right. So you can hop on a call with us. You can also follow me in Masters in Clarity on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, Dolores Hirschman in LinkedIn, but mastersinclarity.com. Just put that on the Google uh, search and you'll find me. And you'll see when you get there, folks, you will see the self-assessment. So um, the clarity assessment, which um, I will be taking because I'm real curious on how that is. Dolores, I want to thank you for being part of the show today. And folks, I want to thank you too for listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And I have two requests. One is if you appreciated what Dolores had to share with you today, please share this episode with somebody else who needs to hear this. It might not be you. It might be someone you know who is struggling with some of the obstacles and has a dream that Dolores is the best fit person for. So please share the podcast. Um, Give us a rating and review and share it. The second thing is we would like for you and appreciate for you very much. If you want to help us to continue to share the message of hope and possibilities through inspired action, visit us at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast, and then click on the spread inspired action button. And we would appreciate your support in helping this podcast reach more people every year. So thanks. And thanks again, Dolores. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.